0: Hey, I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You all may be seated. Thank you uh, for standing uh, for just a moment. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if you don't have a Bible or ushers are going to come down the aisle, they've got Bibles you can use. You can, you can turn on your app um, and you can read the Bible that way or just download the Bible app on your phone. And make sure and reach into your, your, your worship guide and pull out your sermon notes so you can follow along. And I want to share with you one of my greatest tensions from five years ago our church in just a few weeks is getting ready to have its five-year anniversary We'll be in our building for that. It'll be awesome But I have learned the last five years the tension Of this dream that I had and and I want you to kind of cue in with everything else you're doing I want you to hear this statement. I had this dream to start an unbiblical church Now I didn't know that at the time um, I didn't realize that my dream and my heart and what what I preferred was unbiblical But I had a dream five years ago when I started a church coming from, you know, ministry experience that wasn't the greatest. I had a dream to really focus on people and I had a dream to see people grow spiritually in a church that didn't get too big. Like that, like that was my goal. I wanted to kind of pastor a church of people who were really passionate about growing spiritually and were growing spiritually. But I didn't want that church to really grow and get too big and I realized as I began to study Bible that those Those two desires together Were unbiblical and I want to show you today what I learned from 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 That kind of blew my worldview out of the water that you could have a little church of people who were growing like crazy spiritually Yet that church won't grow and get too big. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the apostle Paul focuses in the first 10 verses on kind of personal spiritual growth. He focuses on kind of his personal passion for Jesus. And here's what he says. I'm going to read verses 1 and 2 and then skip to verse 6 and read through verse 10. Paul said, for we know that if the earthly tent, he's talking about our body, we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God An eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. Paul says, we know that on earth, something better awaits us in heaven. So we have moments on earth where, like we really long for heaven. We have moments on earth where we think, man, I wish like I could just go to heaven today. Earth is hard for Christians, but Paul said, we realize we don't live for earth, so we push towards Jesus. Verse 6, therefore, as we live our life, We're always confident and we know that as long as we're at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We're confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from our bodies and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please Him, to please the Lord. Whether we're at home in the body or away from it, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us, the things done in the body, whether good or bad the apostle paul in second corinthians chapter 5 said there's this great spiritual tension in the believer that is this when they really understand who god has created them to be and what god has created them to live in we all long for heaven and we cannot wait to be with jesus however we we don't know when that time is coming and we've got this space of time called we don't know how long between now and when we get to heaven and paul said We can't just wait till we get to heaven to start living for Jesus. So whether we're alive on planet earth or whether one day we go to heaven, we make it our aim to do everything we can to live for Jesus. So there's this tension of wanting to be with Jesus but not being with him yet that drives us every day to try to grow spiritually. And that's really my greatest desire for Christians on planet earth. My greatest desire is that every christian would become a passionate christian not just someone who knows about jesus Not just someone who said a prayer to jesus Not just someone who's aware of jesus, but somebody who lives for jesus somebody who loves jesus somebody who's pursuing jesus It's why our mission statement is what it is We exist to see people far from god become passionate christians not just christians We don't just want people to make decisions. We want people to live in a certain direction, really passionately following who Jesus is because when they do that, they'll make a difference in the world. Our entire 2017 theme at Journey is what we're calling fully alive. We believe that Christians, when they live passionately spiritually... Are more fully alive than at any other time in their life their marriage is better their parenting is better They have more inner peace in their life. Their relationships are better We believe when people become passionate about their christianity That they're more fully alive than when they just kind of coast through life And if this becomes a reality for people if we really become passionate christians if we become fully alive Then our lives are going to attract the attention of other people And i've learned through second corinthians chapter 5 this unbiblical tension. I had Here's what I learned when I finished the rest of the chapter Verses 1 through 10 talk about personal growth Verses 11 through the rest of the chapter kind of talk about what personal growth does in the world Here's what the apostle paul teaches us in second corinthians chapter 5 that growing christians grow the church People who are growing spiritually They grow the church So the primary focus, Paul says, of our life should be working to live for Jesus with a focus to one day be like Jesus. The focus of our life, since we're not in heaven yet, should be to do what Jesus said, pray that his kingdom would come on earth as it would be in heaven, to try to be our best, most fully alive spiritual self. But Paul said when that begins to happen, when you really lock in with Jesus, something happens. Look at verse 11. Paul says, here's what happens after you really begin to get passionate spiritually. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. Since we know what it is to really live in the direction of Jesus, we try to persuade others. What's Paul saying? Paul's saying as you begin to grow spiritually, your attention towards turns to other people who need Jesus. There's no such thing as a growing Christian who doesn't care about people who don't need Jesus. There's no such thing as a growing Christian who says, I don't want any more people to be a part of our church. It's too big. If you feel that way, you are not a growing Christian because Paul says, as we get closer to Jesus, we automatically turn our attention to others and we try to figure out how to help them understand who Jesus is as well. And I say it every new attender luncheon we have, this isn't a strategy of the church to try to reach people. It's the reality of the church if they have growing Christians in it. You see, when we truly begin to know Jesus, we naturally try to help others know him. Why? It's just the way spiritual DNA works. The more we become like Jesus, the more we begin to care about other people knowing who Jesus is. It's not a strategy that we set up a program to do it's just the reality of being a Christian whose life begins to look like Jesus. I've got a friend who works in Arizona, a couple friends actually who work in Arizona during February and March of every year. They go there for eight weeks um, and and they're there away from family and friends. So they bring out friends and pastors and mentors and there's some people in their small group just to kind of support them spiritually. So every February of the last three years I left Kansas City and I've, and I've gone to spend a week in Arizona just ministering to some guys in our church that that spend a couple months there. In every year that I go there, I don't know if you've ever been in Kansas City in February and checked your phone, but sometimes it's cold. Um, sometimes it's very cold, sometimes there's a lot of snow on the ground. Um, and I don't know if your skin is like my skin, but when it's warm and sunny, my skin is a little browner. When it's when it's February, it's it's like butt white. Like, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's like there's no pigmentation in my body in February in Kansas City. So I go to Arizona and I hang out. I don't lay out. I don't take copper tone. I don't sit by a pool. As a matter of fact, I'm in long pants and usually a collar shirt the entire time. But the parts of my body that are exposed to the Arizona sun in February and March come back to Kansas City and everyone says to me, usually the next Sunday at church, where you been? Like, where you been? You look different. You go to the beach, Been where you been? My strategy wasn't to go to Arizona and get a tan. It's just the reality of being in the sun. Like when you're in the sun, the reality is it changes you and people can see that. It's the same thing when you spend time with the son of God. You don't have to have a strategy to change. When you spend time with the son of God, you get around people after you've spent some time with Jesus and they say, where you been? What happened? You look different. You sound different. It's very evident something has happened to you. What's been going on? You say, I've just been hanging out with Jesus and it has changed who I am. The New Testament gives us three kind of key thoughts about church growth, and they all flow from the lives of growing Christians, not board meetings where we say, how do we get our church bigger? You know, in five years, we've never had a meeting with our staff where we've sat down and said, okay, how do, we, how do we grow our church? How do we get our church bigger? That hasn't been said one time in five years at our church. We often say, okay, more people are coming. How do we better minister to them? We often say, hey, we're opening a building. More people might come. How do we make sure we do a good job? But we've never sat down and said, We want to bring more people to our church. Here's what we sit down and say. How do we grow our people? Because if we grow our people, our church will grow. It's just the way it works. Growing people grow churches. And here's what the New Testament says. Ministry happens as you go about your daily life. The greatest misunderstanding of the great commission, Jesus' command to all the Christians, is the first word, um, the first what looks like directive of that commission. In Matthew 28, 19, and 20, Jesus' last words to his disciples, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit and teaching them to obey everything i've commanded you And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Do you know go is not the command? It's the assumed Here's what I mean by that. Jesus didn't say go. That's the english word The word that jesus spoke whether in aramaic it was written in greek Jesus basically said this and you see it in point number one there Jesus said as you go He didn't say go. He said as you go I'm assuming you're going to leave your house. I'm assuming you're going to go out to eat. I'm assuming your kids are going to play sports. I'm assuming you might have a job. As you go, as you live your life, the command is make disciples. Going is the assumed. Jesus said, as you live your life, here's the command, make disciples. As you go about your life, People hopefully will see who jesus really is and learn about him You are a disciple maker as you live your life. It's not going to any specific place. It's just going about your daily life It's the assumed as you live your life The command is help people know who jesus is We also learn from the new testament that ministry moves as life happens you say what do you mean that ministry is a part of life And as life happens ministry happens In Acts chapter 8, a persecution had broken out against the church. A guy by the name of Saul who hated Christians. Maybe you're in the room and you used to hate Christians. Maybe you're in the room today and you still hate Christians. One of the greatest hater of Christians, we find in Acts chapter 7, he was arresting people, killing people. He just killed a guy for being a Christian. We find out when he met Jesus, everything changed. But you you can go from where you are to becoming a passionate Christian, believe it or not. Persecution broke out, and it says in Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and everyone except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Verse 4 is the key here. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Those who went from one place to another, they just, wherever they went, they told people about Jesus. Whether with their words or with their life, wherever they were scattered, they told people about Jesus. Do you know that I believe God has scattered some people to our community for the purpose of them knowing about Jesus? Let me ask you a question. How many of you with kids have kids that are going to the same school district that you graduated from? Raise your hand. I'm just curious. Just curious. So far less than 10% of you. How many of you, your child will probably graduate from a high school that you did not graduate from? Raise your hand. Mine will. How many of you, your child will graduate in a different state than you graduated from? Like mine will. The majority of us. Why are you here? Oh, my job. My, you know, my husband, my wife, our grandparents, you know, we just, we love barbecue. You know, like, I don't know why you're in Kansas City. But is it possible that the only reason you're here, the only reason you've been scattered from where you grew up is so that your life here could help people know who Jesus is? I mean, is it possible that the only reason any of us have been brought to the Kansas City community is because God wants to move in Kansas City and he just needs a few more Christians living where you live, working where you work, going to school where your kids go to school? You know how I suppose, you know how I know that you're supposed to reach your family? Because you're related to them. You know how I know you're supposed to reach your neighbors? Because you live by them. You know how I know you're supposed to reach your coworkers Because you work with them. You know how I know you're supposed to reach the, the families who, whose kids play on the same sports teams as your do, yours do? Because your child made that team. see, God doesn't do things by accident. And God says, I'm going to send my people everywhere for the purpose of, as life happens people knowing who Jesus is and the more people grow we just carry Jesus with us. Number 3 ministry is organic when people live with purpose. That's what we hear from Esther's uncle to Esther in the book of Esther in the Old Testament, in Esther 4:14. 4, Her uncle said, who knows but that you've come to your position for such a time as this. Who knows that God didn't move you into your neighborhood? Who knows that God didn't move you into that school district? Who knows that God didn't have you plan to move to a different state? Who knows that God didn't move you from the country you grew up in to Kansas City, Missouri, or to the Kansas City area of Kansas? Who knows that God didn't do that for the specific purpose of reaching people? Because if you're a growing Christian, wherever you go, people are going to begin to understand who Jesus is. When I was in high school, we had a project. I can't remember if it was in science or chemistry, but we had a project where we learned about magnetism, and we got to play the magnet game. And here was the magnet game, and I'm not a scientist, and I'm by no means a science teacher. I did past science, um, but I, I think I've got the scientific facts correct when I say that, that m- magnets are drawn to each other, at least the ones that we use, the magnet... The magnetic things pulled things together, the ones that we got to play a game with. And one of the games we played, I don't know if we were connecting positive to negative or what, but we had to play this game where we had to see how close we could get magnets to each other without them pulling together. And we had to measure. And the person who could get these opposing forces, combining forces, again, I don't know. I passed it, but I don't teach it. Um, that person won the game. And I wanted to win bad. Um you know, I, I, I grew up with the knowledge before I really began to love Jesus that if you weren't cheating, you weren't trying. So it was like, okay, how are we going to win this game? So we found, my group found a magnet that had like lost its magnetism. So we were able, like everyone else would get their magnets close and be like, boom, and it would connect, or the magnet to whatever they were doing. We were able to get ours like within millimeters, and it would never connect. And it's like, man, we like... We are really, really, like, we have spaced these perfectly. We will probably figure out some theory of relativity or something like that. I think that's something. I mean, it was like we were able to cheat because we had a magnet that wasn't magnetized. What Jesus is telling us is that if you are a Christian and you're close to anything, they're going to be pulled into Jesus. So you say, well, I'm, I'm really close to a lot of people, and they've not been pulled into Jesus yet. Maybe you're not magnetic. Maybe it's not their problem. And maybe it's not Jesus' problem. Maybe you are not pulling anyone or anything to Jesus because you are not a growing Christian. Jesus says ministry is organic. If you are a growing Christian and people get close to you, they cannot get too close to you before they run into Jesus and connect to him through you. It's just the way that ministry works. Our equation looks like this. Spiritual awareness plus relational activity equals impacted lives. You see, when you become spiritually aware of people in your life who don't know Jesus and you spend any time with them at all, all of a sudden they begin to be impacted spiritually. It's a great strategy that Jesus gives his church. Secondly, as the apostle Paul goes on, he tells us that found people find people. Found people, find people. Those who for some reason God has allowed someone to connect to your life so that so that you could be drawn to Jesus. God is basically saying, I found you. I I scattered someone to your life so that you could understand who I am and be drawn to me. And because you've been found, your job now is to go find others. Where is that? Second Corinthians 5 16. Paul says, So from now on, listen to this. This is really powerful. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Paul says we, we lose the ability to just look at people's life, but not think about them spiritually. Christians who are growing, they have no ability to just look at someone from a worldly point of view. Every time we see someone, we look at them through the lens of where they are spiritually, our eyes change. You know, I've got friends in our church, elders, some of my staff, pastor friends around the country. Maybe you've got people like this who just at random times send the most encouraging text messages or verses, or they let you know they're praying for you. I mean, just randomly people reach out to me and they're like, man, here's a verse I thought about you today, or hey, I'm praying for you. I mean, I've got great friends who are constantly encouraging my life. And I got one of those text messages this week from a friend, just encouraging me spiritually. And here's what the text message said. Whenever you feel stupid, just remember there are people outside looking for Pokemon. Um, like I, I read that and I just thought, you know, thanks Zerb. You know, I'm not going to tell them who sent me it, but it's like, you know, all right. I don't know that we can put a verse on the end of that one, but you know, it made me, made me chuckle. Then we had a banter that we won't share with the rest of the congregation. Um, But I don't know if you're aware of this Pokemon craze. I'm not sure what a Pokemon is, but apparently they look like this. I think we've got a picture of a Pokemon. So I'm clueless as to what Pokemon is, right? Like I remember maybe briefly hearing about them when my kids were young. I thought they were cards, but now everyone's looking for them through cell phones. We were eating dinner the other night. Christian's on his phone. I figured he was texting someone or playing a game and he's like, there's one on the table. And I was like, what? (laughs) What? Like, there's a Pokemon on the table. Like, I thought he was hallucinating, right? I so, was like, I'm going to have to check my kid in. I don't know if my health insurance covers a, an asylum. You know, you, like, all the thoughts that go through your head. And I'm like, son, what are you talking about? And he's like, no, you have, to, you have to look through the phone. And sure enough, he showed me the phone, and there's a Pokemon <laughs> sitting, like, almost in our chips and salsa at La Fuente. And it's like, you know, if that, and then you become competitive. And it's like, well, get it. You know, what, like, what do, we, what do we have to do? Um, but I'll never forget him saying, no, you have to... You have to look through here. You can only see it through here. Paul says spiritually, Christians look through a different lens. Normal people sit at work. They don't look at people spiritually. But Christians have this ability to see spiritual things. They don't look at worldly things anymore. They don't look at someone in a nice house with a nice car with nice things and think they need nothing. They look beyond the surface and they see spiritual things. And they don't look at people who need everything and think, i got to get them some clothing and some food. They think, no, they, clothing and food might feed them and make them warm. But, man, d- underneath they need Jesus. Spiritual people see differently. This is what 2 Corinthians 5.16 means. We regard no one from a worldly point of view. We stop looking at people's physical lives, and all we can see are their spiritual life. Growing Christians find people, and they see where they are spiritually, and they've got this... Desire to help them understand who jesus is christians no longer see people through the eyes of the world They start looking into their soul And here's what we find when we look into the soul of people Everybody is searching for something more Everybody your rich friends your poor friends Your doctor friends your lawyer friends your unemployed friends your teenage friends your retired friends friends, the president of the company and the janitor at the company, they are all looking for something more. Your married friends, your divorced friends, the great parents and the struggling single parents, they're all looking for something more. In Ecclesiastes 3.11, Solomon put it this way. It's a great verse for us to remember as we look at the souls of people. Solomon said, God has made everything beautiful when its time. And he's also said eternity in the human heart so that no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. Solomon said, on the most beautiful day of your life, on the greatest day of your existence, every human being looks and says, even with this, there's gotta be something more because you know what happens to the greatest day of your life and of my life? You know what happens to that day? It ends and you go to bed And you wake up and you start another one Trying to make a bed like the greatest day of your life ends And you go to bed and you get to start all over so everyone thinks when you reach the top of the mountain There's got to be something more And that's why christians have to learn to see with spiritual eyes and figure out how to help people find more It's why more and better communicate so well It's why you find someone who goes to a good gym and they begin to have great life transformation and all their friends want to know... What are you doing and where are you going? Because I would like to have that transformation as well. It's why people blog about and post on social media about the diets they've gone on and how that's working in their life because everyone is looking for something more and they say, okay, that has improved your life. How could that improve my life? It's why when people see something great that somebody's wearing, they not only go buy those clothes, but we have these online boutiques popping up everywhere because people think, you know, that'll make my life just a little better than it is now if I can dress like that. It's Why when you find a favorite hair salon or nail salon and you feel like you're looking better and more confident You go tell everyone about it because everyone is looking for more everyone is looking for better It's why you go on that great vacation spot and you go back every year And then your friends start to try it out too because everyone is looking for more Everyone is looking for better and it's why when people find a great church people want to know what's going on in your life And you need to know not everyone in your life that doesn't go to church is opposed to church They don't hate the church They don't hate Jesus. They've not had a bad experience. It is not as scary to invite somebody to come to church with you as you think because most people are sitting at home thinking, man, I've watched their life and I would like to go there, but I feel really, really uncomfortable because I don't know anybody. The vast majority of people that you will invite to church will say yes if you'll say, hey, come with me, sit with me. You won't be alone because everyone is looking for something more and maybe this can be it for them. The Wall Street Journal just a few weeks ago said that the rate of loneliness in adults has increased from 14% to over 40% the last 40 years in America. Nearly one out of every two Americans says they're lonely. We've got to see with spiritual eyes. We've got to look into people's souls. And we have to, as growing Christians, we have to, as found people, help find people that can see Jesus so found people find people And then paul says this in number three Once you really get it. I mean once you really get it you live to give it Once you really understand what jesus has done for you. You can't help but want others to understand what jesus has done for them Once you get it you live to get it Look at verse 17 and we're going to go into chapter 6 Therefore if anyone is in christ if you if you've become a christian On christ's behalf be reconciled to god God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him We might become the righteousness of god as god's co-workers We urge you not to receive god's grace in vain for he says in the time of my favor I heard you and in the day of salvation. I helped you. I tell you now is the time of god's favor Now is the day of salvation. Let me ask you a question. Do you get it? Like do you get what I just read? Paul said, when anybody becomes a Christian and they understand what God did to them through Jesus, they live to help everyone else understand that same truth. Do you get it? Paul said, when you get what Jesus has done for you and why, you live to help everyone else understand that same truth. How, by starting a church? Nope, by just living your life. Living your life and in a magnetic way so that people who are close to you will be close to Jesus and perhaps we can have some spiritual impact. We've received what we've received so we can help others see the same thing. And you know what? When you found something great, you usually want to share with other people if they can have it too. I was sitting at a World Series game this year with my son who was 14 at the time. We were sitting out behind right field um, eating before the game had started. and We were just sitting down eating um, and something miraculous happened um, at that game. Somebody who was a in a Mets jersey came up and talked to us, um, and we actually communicated back to them. A real fan knows the more you hate the opponent's fans, the better your team does. So, you know, it's like normally at a World Series, you wouldn't talk to an opposing fan, but literally a little grandma in a Mets jersey came up to us with what looked like maybe her teenage, teenage grandkids, um, and she came and she sat down and she said, they're giving away free Chipotle gift cards at that table over there. And this was before, like, Chipotle made the whole world sick. So, like, you know, our eyes, like, lit up. And it's like, what? She's like, yeah, they're giving away free Chipotle. Like, they haven't but there's free Chipotle cards at that table over there. So Christian and I were like, all right, let's go check. She'd received something good that she just passed on to us, because who doesn't want a good thing? And we walked over there, and sure enough, there was this long cardboard box. Of, you know, it's probably that tall. The cards were credit card size. They looked like a burrito, and it just said, you know, $1. One free burrito and they were just lined up and I mean there were hundreds of them there So like I grabbed one and gave it to christian and I took one and we went and sat back down like this is unbelievable And we you know, we told the next people at the table Um, hey, they're giving away free chipotle cards over there And before you knew it, there was like a crowd of people hovering And they were gone just like that. Why because People pass along a good thing if it's free what has impacted them positively they want to impact others So when we started this year in January, we said this was going to be our year to finish. I've been wearing this little bracelet that says finished since January 10th, since I put it on. And I'll take it off after next Sunday because we will finish this season of moving into our building. We said to finish, we were going to have to do four things. We're going to have to pray. We've been having 40 days of prayer this summer that wraps up the next two Wednesday nights at the building as we pray. Can you all see that fly flying around me or is it just me? I swear to God, I need like Mr. Miyagi chopsticks. I'm going to... If I slap myself in the face, I don't have Tourette's. Like, the fly has landed on me. Have you seen that for a minute? Lord Almighty. It's on my Bible right now. Like, I would crash my whole stand. I don't even know what I was saying. So I'm about finished, stupid fly. Um, (laughs) So so we said we were going to have to do four things. We had to pray. 40 days of prayer is going to wrap up. Um, we said we were going to have to serve. We set a goal this summer that 100 new people would volunteer to serve when we got in the building. We've surpassed that goal, and dozens of them came yesterday to our volunteer training. Um, the fourth thing, we said people are going to have to give, and we did. We've, we finished our Difference Makers campaign to like a half percent that we're just going to trust God will kind of leak in between now and when it's needed. But the, the third thing was bring. We said we're going to have to bring. We're going to have to bring people. To our church so they can understand who jesus is and here's the reason why we called this our 10 by 10 love project We said we're going to pray that every person as we go into the building makes a list of 10 people That within the first 10 months in the building basically grand opening through easter They're going to try to they're going to be aware of these 10 people and they're going to try to invite them to see the new church At some time over the course of a year. Why? Because paul says when we love jesus and we love people Bringing isn't a command anymore. It's just a consequence it's just a consequence of our Christian life. Bringing isn't a strategy. It's, it's just a consequence. Bringing isn't a command. It's a consequence of living close to Jesus. Listen to me. If, if you are growing spiritually and you are mature spiritually, is that you? Because if you're not growing spiritually and, and you're immature spiritually, you may continue to think that church Is all about you and all the blessings you hear about you might think they are for you if you've not really matured yet We were standing at those Chipotle Free cards at that table With the world series getting ready to start behind us me and my 14 year old son Only a few people even knew that they were there And we walked up and there's this long box and I took one and gave gave it to christian And I kept one and christian looked at him and he said Should we take them all? (laughs) It was like I thought about it for a minute like no, we should leave some for other people There are some christians That every time They hear about a blessing of the church Their first thought is about them And they think Should I keep them all? Like they're a teenager spiritually And when they hear what god wants to do in our world, they think it's like all for them it's Like should, should we keep them all? And that's where mature leaders in the church need to step up and say no, 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 no no. This is for everyone And we've only been brought into this process so we can help bring others into the process You see our people are growing That's why our people are bringing and so many lives are being changed I heard from somebody today who's on vacation who's going to wake up this morning and drive four hours back to church And six weeks ago. They didn't even come to church. Why because people are growing? Talking to people who are reading the bibles for the first time in their life I'm talking to people who are inviting people to church for the first time in their life I'm talking to people who are witnessing to friends at work for the first time in their life talking to people who are serving in a church for the Our people are growing and growing people grow the church. They bring people You see I wanted a church filled with growing people that didn't get too big and god said there's no such thing Instead i've learned to embrace the thought that our role jci's role Understanding that growing people grow churches and found people find people our role is not to Just grow you but to also equip Your bringing as a natural result of your faith people should be asking you what's different about you People should be asking how come you can never hang out late on saturday night because you get up on sunday How come you can never play this rec sport on sunday morning? What's going on in your world that your church seems to be such a big part of your life people should be asking that And we want to equip you To bring them We've said we want our building To be a launching pad For ministry not a landing strip For those of us who just want to get out of the school We want our building to be a place Where people come to learn how to leave And bring others back so they'll know who Jesus is that's why we do little things like give out little business cards We want to equip you to invite people to church So today when you leave again, our ushers will have stacks of these little grand opening cards You can say hey come check out our church. We're opening a new building come anytime this fall and check out our church We'd love to have you that's why we'll put out social media invites that you can just really easily share on your Facebook or on your Twitter or on your Instagram reposting stuff where you can just say, hey, you know, hey we're opening a new building. If you don't have a church, come and check ours out. We'd love to have you. Come sit with me, message me, and I'll tell you where I'm going to sit. It's why people need to get beyond inviting someone to come to church, and you need to say, hey, come to church, sit with me, and afterwards we'll go have lunch together, and you can tell me what you thought about it. You bring them into Your spiritual life and you connect with them on a spiritual level You see the bible teaches us that when you grow You see people differently And then you become passionate about going to them To bring them to jesus I'm gonna ask every one of you right now to reach into your bulletin and pull out this little card that says 10 by 10 love project This is not to turn in This is just to equip you. This is just to challenge you. This is just to keep you aware And here's what we've done for you to try to make it easy for you to bring people so that they might know who Jesus is like you know who Jesus is. I'm praying that everyone in our church today, all the adults who were here and teenagers who were here, will go home and sometime this week they'll make a list of 10 people whose lives they see that need Jesus. And they'll hang this on the refrigerator on their bathroom mirror They'll set it in their car and they'll just begin to have this awareness That these are the people in my life that for some reason i'm connected to who need jesus And then on the back we've put what we think are our top 10 bring sundays Our fun sundays our crazy sundays our our dress-up sundays The the easiest sundays to invite people to be at church for some reason other than hey, I see you're hurting But just hey, come and check this out 10 sundays between now And easter of next year To invite them to come and sit with you and Maybe go to lunch with you And what I want to promise you is on every one of these 10 sundays We will tell people who jesus is and give them an opportunity to respond and we don't do it every sunday But we'll do it every one of these sundays I want to ask you to take this little piece of paper home. Why because jesus Wants to be more well-known in this community Today just based on what we've got going here. We'll We'll have more than 400 adults who sit in a service today at our church What if every one of them wrote down ten names? That's four thousand people this week That we begin to think about spiritually four thousand people in our community that may be Invited to church in the next ten months who would have never come otherwise four thousand people Who are looking for something more something better Who might hear about it because you cared to write their name down But there's something more Maybe today isn't your day to write down 10 names. Maybe your day Is the day to be reconciled to jesus Maybe today god brought you here because you have been looking for more Maybe you've been in church around church at a church But every day you get up Knowing there's something more thinking there's something more wanting something more maybe someone invited you today Because years ago you ended up on this list of theirs and they've been praying for you and they brought you here because They've been watching your life. They know you're hurting and they know jesus can help And I love how paul ended this paul said here's how you grow closer to jesus and here's how we live to see others But then he said let's not forget in second corinthians 6 2 Maybe today is the time of god's favor for you Maybe today is the day of your salvation And if that's the case, we don't want to close this service without giving you an opportunity To be reconciled To be put in relationship to be brand new In jesus Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me?